Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but uh, I am experiencing the faithfulness of God. God who is merciful and giving and loving and true and totally dependable. Amen. There's a lot going on in our world. There's a lot going on in our personal lives. But how many people know that we can depend on God? Amen. Amen. Let's go before the Lord today. I don't want to be before you long. Father God, we honor you and we do stand in awe of you today. You are amazing. and You are awesome. You're so loving. You're so kind. You keep us, Father from hurt, harm, and danger, God. And even the things that we are allowed to go through, God, we win because you strengthen us through them, God. And so when the enemy thinks he is having his way, God, and rejoicing over what seems like our downfall, Father, you always show up just in the nick of time, Father, and you rescue us, God. Every single time, you've always been faithful, God. But I thank you, Father, for your truth today. We ask that you would just bless this word. You know that these are trying times for me, God. And um, I don't always understand what you are doing. But as we stand in awe of you, Father, you cause us to stand, God. And so we just ask, Father, today that you would... Allow this message, Father, of truth to encourage the hearts of your people today, God. And help us, Father, to see your good work and your plan, Father, and just how much you love us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. I want to turn to chapter, uh, Matthew, the chapter, the 10th chapter, uh, verse 2 through 4. Matthew, the 10th chapter. Verses two, actually, yeah, two through four, two through four. I'll read one, but two through four is the main thrust of it. And verse one says, and don't worry if it's not on your screen, it's okay. Verse one says, Jesus called the 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. And here are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, also called Peter. Then Andrew, Peter's brother. James, the son of Zebedee. John, James's brother. Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector. James, the son of Alphaeus, Alphaeus Thaddeus. Simon, the zealot, and of course, Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. Amen. I want to speak to you today from the title, The Unqualified. The Unqualified. Amen. Now, when we look at this verse, a lot of people, you know, they either focus on the names of the disciples or they, you know, if you, you know, old school Pentecostal, you focus on the fact that Jesus has given power to heal 
the sick and every sickness and cast out demons and have authority over the demonic realm. Um, but I don't want to really focus on that this morning. I want to just take this verses uh, two through four. And I want to focus on the fact that Jesus, who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus, who is God, decided to give power to men who were deeply flawed. Men who were messed up. These are some messed up folks in, these, in this passage of scripture. Amen? Amen. Now, when you're in the world system, the world wants, you know, to tell you that, you know, which makes sense. If you want to become a doctor, we know that you need to go to medical school. Amen. If you want to straighten someone's teeth out, you don't just pull out some pliers and screwdrivers and drills. <laughs> you need to learn how to be educated or educate yourself so that you would actually be, you know, someone who knows what they're doing before someone opens up their mouth. Amen. Amen. We understand that. And I was explaining to one of my children, uh, I think it was Saturday, I was saying to him, uh, I said, uh, I still have to prove myself, even if I say that I've done something, you know, people don't always believe me, right? We don't just, you know, people don't just take your word for it, right? For instance, if I want to drive a car, I need to have a license, amen? And the license proves that uh, I have taken the driver's test, you know, I, I have some experience in training, you know, when it comes to driving, I know the rules of the road. I understand that when you see a stop sign, that means stop, right? Um, and then, you know, once we have that certificate, that proof, then we are considered eligible, safe, you know, a safe driver, if you will. If I want to buy a home, first thing I would need to do is get some good credit. Because if I don't have the money straight up, you know, I need to make sure that my credit is good. If your credit is jacked up, then the bank has no proof that you can pay this loan and they're not gonna allow you to take out hundreds of thousands of dollars. In, in California, I mean, millions of dollars. And just say, you know, you know, don't worry about it, I'm good for it. Even though my credit says I don't pay people. <laughs> They're not going to trust you with that amount of money just because you say so. The world seems to operate in a common sense manner. It operates on a system that says, we trust you after you prove that you are qualified. Right? We understand that. Now, the interesting thing is, if you know anything about the people in this passage of Scripture here, the apostles, the disciples then you would have to conclude that Jesus is not basing his selection of people on the world's qualification system. He just isn't. Amen? Something else is obviously going on here. Now, I want you to understand that these people were given the most important job that has ever been given to any group of people in the history of the known universe. 
want you to get that in your system. Get that in your head. They were selected to continue the work that Jesus began. Wow. And Jesus was the one who decided that he was going to hire these people. It was Jesus himself, the son of God, that said, you know what? These are my folks. This is who I'm going to use. John 15 and 16. John 15 and 16. The word of God reads, you didn't choose me. I chose you and appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask using my name. Now, I am sure that there were all kinds of religious people in that area that Jesus could have chosen. Amen? Some of the folks were the elite religious folks. They were serious about following the law. They had, you know, done all kinds of things and, and, and made themselves look to appear or appear to be religiously serious about, you know, God and his word and his rules. And Jesus, Jesus looked at all those people and he bypassed every last one of them. Jesus was saying essentially this. I'm going to invite you to do this new thing where you are participating in building my church. And I'm going to go out and pick and invite some people to help me do this, this new thing. And so Jesus goes out and he gets a fisherman. Hmm. A fisherman. You know, that's kind of like saying, you know what? Get me the bus driver. <laughs> you know, where's the cafeteria worker? I need a, I need a cafeteria worker. One of them ladies with the hair nets on <laughs> Give me one of them. Give me the garbage man. You hear what I'm saying? People, think about this. The master of the universe decided not to go and get kings, government officials, legislators. He didn't go get the clergy. Are you hearing me? No community leaders. These folks that he picked were from Galilee. They were not educated. They were just regular, everyday folks. This is what God thought would be the best idea. I need you to get that in your head. Hmm? But they were also not the religiously elite, as I said, the religious elite. They had personality problems, flaws, sinful thinking. These folks were kind of rough on the edges. You know, you know what I'm saying? You know, this is nothing new. 
Uh, when you really think about God's pattern, if you read your Bible, these are not, these are not impressive people that he picks. What you got? Who? Moses is a murderer. David, even worse, he's watching that. He tops Moses. He kills a man, possibly either raped or seduced his wife, gets her pregnant, and then tries to cover it up. Huh? Jacob is a trickster and a deceiver. Elijah has proud moments, and then he cowers when he's running from a woman. Jezebel. Huh? These are people that the Most High God chose to use. Hmm. I need you to get this. Jesus is about to start his church. And he's getting ready to hire some people to assist or participate with him. Not that he needs them. He just decides to. You know, I'm getting ready to do this new thing. I'm going to pick some folks out. We're going to change the world. So he says to himself, let me go and get some messed up people. <laughs> I need, you know, let me get some drug addicts. Let me get some prostitutes. Let me get some five-time baby mamas. Which daddy are you going with today? <laughs> you know, let me go get some, you know, men who've had five divorces. Huh? Let me go get some thieves, some gamblers, some folks that lie to the IRS. Some folks that, you know, forge signatures and put all kinds of things on their job applications that ain't true. Hmm? And he's saying to them, come on, y'all. I got this great thing I'm going to do. Let's go start a church. <laughs> Are you getting the picture here? For some strange reason that we may never understand, God selects people that are the most interesting people, but not necessarily the elite. The world says you can't drive unless you qualify. Jesus says, you know what? I know you ain't got no arms. How would you like a new car? <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. He's God. You can't do such a steering wheel. Jesus is like, a new car. Now go with me for a minute. Let's just enter into the mind of the Pharisee. Now, I, when I think of it that way, I can kind of start to understand why the Pharisees were so frustrated. Right? This doesn't really make, right? Are you following me, Janetta? If they're looking at this movement that's about to happen, everybody's joining, and he's looking at the folks that Jesus is selecting. There's this frustration because Jesus is walking around with people that to them seem to be the lowest of lows, right? And they're saying to themselves, based on how this thing is looking so far, this cannot be a move of God. Kill him. <laughs> Crucify him. You know, this can't be it. The truth is, is because this world qualification system of thinking has crept its way even into religious 
places, even to into the church. And that's some, honestly, that's the way some of us think. We go, well, you know what? These folks look like they really got it together. That must be godly. Jesus would say, actually, my folks that don't have it together at all. <laughs> They're leaning on me. No. But let's be real. You and I. You know what? I'm not even going to talk about you. I'll do that later. Let's just talk about me. Even I, as a pastor called by God, studied grace, know about the mercy of God. I can tend to look at situations and go, you know, I don't know. I can look at people and go, oh, I don't know. <laughs> right? We do it. We do it. We, we judge by certain standards, you know? We feel like, you know, you, you know, Jesus got 12 members in his whole entire church. And we would look at another church and go, you know, they ain't got 200, 700, you know, 700 people. Something must be wrong. Jesus would say, you know, I don't, I don't know if we should go by that. My church wasn't that big. He had the crowd for a minute, you know, but he didn't, but the, the crowd wasn't the same thing as the church. Are you seeing see what I'm saying? The crowd was like, oh, we love you, Jesus. The next day it was like, give us Barabbas. <laughs> Crucify him. Think it through, people. We have this qualification system. We look at things and see a certain thing a certain way, and we make decisions. And we make determination that this can't be of God because of thus and so, or this person cannot be used of God because of so-and-so and so-and-so. Watch this. Acts the ninth chapter, 10 through 15. Acts 9, 10 through 15. Let's get delivered today. Come on, let's do all of us, just every last one of us. Let's just do it. Now, there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. I've gone over this verse before, but something just kind of struck with me. That, I mean, out of this verse, it's like something that I'm going through right now, this, this verse is hitting me differently. The Lord spoke to Ananias in a vision, calling him, saying, calling Ananias. Ananias what? He said, yes, Lord, he replied. Now look at that immediate response. Yes, Lord. Such a picture of quick obedience. You're so quick with it, Ananias. Ananias, yes, Lord. This guy must be deep. Got to know God, right? And the Lord said to him, verse 11, go over the straight street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now, and I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias. You, okay, I've showed Saul you, amen, Ananias coming and laying hands on him so he can see again. Verse 13, but Lord, <laughs> Wait a minute, what happened to yes, Lord? <laughs> wait, 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 we're going down in two sentences. 
But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I have heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to believers in Jerusalem, and he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument. Key word, my. Not just chosen instrument. That's, that's key too. But key word, my. Listen, everything belongs to me, Ananias. I, he ain't your instrument. He's mine. He's my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and kings as well as the people of Israel. Now, you may say, Pastor Jamie, that's being a little too harsh because here's the truth of the matter. When we don't understand some things, we tend to question God. And that's okay. You know, I don't really know what you're doing in my life. I don't really know what you're doing with this person. I don't really know why I'm in this situation. I don't really know why you would choose so-and-so to do whatever you have, for you, you know, that you want them to do in your kingdom. I don't know. Sometimes we ask questions. We have doubts, especially when we see things we don't quite understand or we've heard some things about some folks, right? So let's go a little further because it's okay to ask questions. Maybe, you know, it's not... A, a, a total denial of what Jesus is saying here. Maybe he's just, you know, honestly and, you know, rightfully so, very concerned about Jesus' choice here. Okay? But now let's go to Jonah. Jonah, chapter one. <laughs> you know where I'm going. <laughs> now let's go to Jonah, chapter one, verses one through three. Jonah one, one through three. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, verse 2, and I'm not even going to pronounce it, Amittai, I guess, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Uh-oh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. Verse 3, very interesting. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from who? The Lord. <laughs> he went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board hoping to escape from the Lord by selling to Tarshish. Now, Jonah heard a message from God that the Lord was planning to use him to deliver some folks that he didn't believe needed to be delivered. You know, let's just leave them in the dust, Jesus. You want me to go preach to them low down, dirty, dirties? <laughs> ah, I don't know about that. Jonah is a prophet that believes that God has a message for people just like him. But not anybody else. Uh. So Jonah, let's just... Moves us up to 20, you know, let's just move us up to 2023. Jonah gets in his car, parks his car at the Oakland Airport economy parking, walks up the Southwest ticket line counter and buys a ticket and says, get me up out of here on the first thing smoking in the opposite direction of where God has told me to go. And that what we do? Yeah. Now, unlike Ananias, Jonah doesn't question God. Jonah, by his actions, are basically saying, you're just flat out rebellious. Are you hearing me? And we know the rest of the story. He gets in a boat, 
gets in a storm, the boat gets in a storm, the men figure out that the reason why they're in a storm is because Jonah is on board. Jonah tells them, I have basically, you know, I'm a prophet and I'm not doing what God says. They try to roll the boat a little bit and go a little bit further. The storm gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And eventually they're like, you know what? You got to go. They pick him up and throw him over the side <laughs> into the ocean. And the storm immediately stops. And they're like, whoo. And then out of nowhere, a big gigantic whale shows up and swallows Jonah whole. And he's sitting in this well for several days, three days, and Jonah finally repents. And God spits him out on the shores of Nineveh. Amen. And then Jonah reluctantly preaches the word, tells the people, in about 40 days, if you don't turn around, God is going to destroy this city. And God causes the people to repent. The king steps off his throne. They're wearing sackcloth and ashes. They're repenting. The king says, I, I want, don't even just, you dress badly and you dress your animals badly because we've been acting bad. He's like, I want everybody to repent. Get your cat and your dog. I know they've been sinning too. Everybody needs, everybody, everything. If you got a pet snake, put something on it. Repent. <laughs> everybody repent and God out of that wicked city everybody repents to God and says we have done wrong and God spares all those people now why did Jonah not want to go well Jonah 4 and 2 gives us a little snapshot of what's in the heart of Jonah Jonah 4 Verses 1 and 2. Jonah 4, verses 1 and 2. So after God spares this great city of 120,000 people, huge city, it takes three days for you to walk through it. After God spares all these people, verse 1 says, This change of plans greatly upset Jonah. And he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home, God, that you would do this? This is why I ran away to Tarsus. I knew you were a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Jonah was upset with God and Jonah had this inflated view of himself and he's thinking, God, these people are not worth saving. Let me just go a little bit further. God allows Jonah to complain, ushers Jonah out to the east side of the city. Jonah's sitting there waiting for the people to be destroyed by God. It's getting hot. It's in the desert. He's not at the Hilton. Okay? God has compassion on him and grows a plant that's almost shaped like an umbrella to shade him from the sun. Gives him some time. You just go ahead and be a hater. Gives him some time. And then eventually time runs out. God sends an insect to eat up the plant. And the plant begins to wither and die in the sun. Then God starts blowing hot air in his face. All this is happening because Jonah is rebellious 
and feel that these people are not worth saving. You don't need to change folks like this. Are you hearing me? God says, listen, are you sorry that your umbrella that I put out there for you withered up and died? Yes. But you're not sorry for the people that could have died? The 120,000 folks that could have lost their lives if you had not gone and preached the message anyway? You don't care about them? Sometimes we look at people and we say they're not qualified. And Jonah, if you think about it, he's this self-righteous, rebellious, prideful, angry person who couldn't see how God was going to use certain people you know, to save others or whatever have you. And Jonah is definitely flawed. And God uses him anyway. Messed up. Look how messed up he is. And God used Jonah anyway. So here we go. God is still doing this today. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> he doesn't just use old Bible characters. He still uses folks like you and me. People like Pastor Rick. Psst, told you I was going to talk about you. Pastor Rick partied so hard. One night, flipped the car over, smashed. <laughs> they had to get the jaws of life to break him free. Ain't that right, Pastor Rick? And he talks about it so I can talk about it. Or people like Dave Boxing. I'm trying to figure out what day Dave was not high. <laughs> By his testimony, it seemed like it was like it's another day and I'm going to be high. What day did you get off? <laughs> right? People like Keith Como, Elder Keith, preaching about his alternate lifestyle all the time. He's not ashamed of what God has done for him. Amen. He blesses the Lord as far as where, he, where God has brought him from. And he will, without any shame at all, tell you his story. Listen, listen. But he's flawed. She's not here, so maybe I can talk about her. People like Donna. She's a member. <laughs> Every now and then, Gretchen, her daughter, she gets on Facebook and, pro, you know, posts these pictures from the 70s. And you can tell by the picture, the picture just kind of has a vibe to it. You wasn't on your way to church, were you? <laughs> nah, I don't think you was going to church. What happens? Donna gets saved, turns her whole life around. Donna used to be a minister. Did y'all know that? Huh? And you got all these people in TLC, and then to top it off, <laughs> they are pastored by this little skinny guy by the name of Jamie Hawkins that practiced marriage for a decade with several people and used his daddy's church as a recruitment center. I was a mess. A pure mess. And now don't look at me crazy because we got your file somewhere in this church. <laughs> Are we blessed because of what God has done? 
Come on now. I'm not going to name the family, but we got a family up in here that I, I, I believe they check their guns and clean their guns before they come to church. <laughs> it's real. They know where they are. Here's the thing, saints. Watch this. Watch this. Hebrews 1.14. Hebrews 1.14. I'm almost done. Hebrews 1.14. It says, Therefore, angels are only servants, spirits to, sent to care for people who will inherit salvation. Now, here's something interesting. The angels care for us. The angels follow God's orders. But sometimes I wonder how much they've seen. You know? While they've been serving us. And I wonder, like, the conversations they might have with each other. You know, like, mm. You see that? No, I saw it. And they have to follow instructions. They don't get to pick and choose who they're going to serve. Right? I can only imagine, but the truth is, here, saints, the angels get to see it all. They saw our starting point. Right? They saw where we began. But your starting point is when you got saved, that's really not your real starting point. Your real starting point is that you were chosen by God before the foundation of the world. And God decided through all your points and in between points and in between points and in between points that this story is going to go a certain way and it's going to have a certain ending no matter what he didn't base it on our qualifications he based it on his Woo! hallelujah so here's the thing the disciples were not perfect people this should encourage us to be bold for Christ by using what God has given you and not focusing on the others like God has shortchanged you in some kind of way or made a mistake because you don't seem to have the kind of, you know, religious Facebook page of somebody else. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He decided to put us in a church. He decided to allow us to work in his kingdom long before we did anything that could ever impress him. Amen? Are you getting it? All right. Now, here's what I want you to see. Here's a question. Who really is qualified? Who is really worthy enough to be used by God? Who is good enough to even be included in God's holy church? If God chooses people like us and we know our story, if God accepts us and when we look in the mirror, we go, you know, I love you and I accept you and all we got these books and you love yourself and accept yourself and, you know, take your flaws and stuff like We got different kinds of people in Target and modeling now and you've seen it. Everybody, we just accept everything. But if we love ourselves so much and we see 
that God accepts and chooses people like us. Why can't we accept each other? Hmm? Why can't we receive each other? You know, I, I'm dealing with a situation where there's some, a group of people, and you know, I, I love them, God bless them, but they, they have this idea that if you're not exactly just like us, I can't receive you. And if you don't have love for your brother, then the love of God is not in you. So we don't, are you hearing what I'm saying? We're not talking about loving perfect people here. We're talking about recognizing that I am not perfect. And God loved me, changed me, transformed me. My story is not what it used to be anymore. I got a whole new paragraph he put on me. And I'm going to sit here and look at you and forget where I came from. No. It's not right. I'm not saying we accept perpetual sin. I'm not saying we accept things that are not godly. What I'm saying is that there are people in the body of Christ, the thing that, the thing that has broken my heart, the, the fire that my weapon, that God, so to speak, has been forged in was disunity. Where I saw people, you know, hating on folks, you know, because we're, we're not the same, you know. And then I saw some other situations. I made some decisions. I'm like, you know, if we're not going to do it God's way, then, you know, then it, I, can't, I can't be a part of that. But it wasn't like I don't love you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And now we got this issue now in several different churches when we could be unified. And we're looking at these small differences and saying, you know what? I can't associate with you. I can't be a part of you. We're not talking about sin. We're just talking about, you know, things that you decided was a sin. Adding to the word. That's wrong. It's not godly. It's not receiving your brother. That's a clear indication that you have not been humbled to the point to where you recognize that you ain't qualified. Let's look at this verse again. Watch this. I just want you to see this. Matthew 10, 2 through 4. Let's just go through the apostles one more time. Matthew 10, 2 through 4. I'm almost done. Yeah. All right. Jesus called the 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and heal every kind of disease. And here are the names. We got Simon, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, James, Son of Alphaeus, uh, Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot, Judas is scary. Okay, so watch this. Not only was Peter a fisherman, but Peter was a foul-mouthed, impulsive person that rarely thought things through before he did things or spoke. The two brothers, James and John, were glory seekers. Lord, you know, I'm going to have my mama ask you, and when you come into your kingdom, can we sit on your left side and your right side? <laughs> when you come into, I'm going to get my mama to ask you. You know what I'm saying? When you come into your kingdom, we, we want to be up in there with you. Like, like we rolling in a club in the VIP or something like that with Jesus, you know. I'm going to ask my mama to ask you. 
glory seekers. Philip was a pragmatic, pessimistic person. Bartholomew, oh, watch this. Bartholomew was prejudiced and racist. <gasps> Did you know that? You got to do this history. You got to look these. Don't, don't just read the names. Look at them, okay? Matthew was a heartless, greedy tax collector. Okay? Simon was a political zealot with another agenda. And Judas, last of all, as we know, was the betrayer. He was the man that had the purse. He was a money man. He was the one that worked for Bank of America or Wells Fargo. Okay. Okay. These are the people that Jesus picked. With all these problems, all these personality traits, different agendas, and he said, this is what I want to do. Come with me and let's go build the church. These are the folks. How does that make you feel? Interesting, huh? There's a little different picture to it, doesn't it? Huh? These folks with all these differences, you know, and different agendas and personality quirks, <laughs> the potential for fights and arguments and disrupted unity is very, very high. Are you hearing me? This is not looking great. But there's one thing that we got to remember. Jesus is in the middle of all of it. Amen? When these men, minus Judas, of course, who were humbled by their, their sin, when they saw that Jesus was not only willing to choose them, but to die for them, huh? only then were they able to set aside their differences and focus on Christ and begin the work that would change the world. So, not only should we get over the fact that God has chosen us even though we are not qualified, point one. We should be careful that we do not become too proud and start focusing on the qualifications or disqualifications of others to the point to where we start looking down on the very folks that Jesus has chosen to do his work. Because we see them now, but we don't know where they're going to end up. Amen? Last scripture and I'm done. Philippians 2, 1 and 2. Philippians 2, 1 and 2. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then he says, well, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and one purpose. It's a bunch of unqualified people who are not exactly the same, who are repenting from sin, trusting in Jesus Christ to change them so that we will do his will and not ours. No one is qualified. We are all unqualified. And when you run into a religious group, a church group, a church member, a family member that wants to talk like Satan 
and accuse you of everything you've done and everything you've been through. Just remind them, I was chosen before this planet even got started. Hmm? I was chosen. And then you remind yourself. Amen? You remind yourself. Satan wants to discourage you by making you feel like you're not qualified to be used by God. And he wants also to disrupt the harmony in the body of Christ so that we never unify and maximize on the effect that we can have in this world. Amen? By giving the glory to God and accomplishing what he wants to accomplish for his kingdom. God qualifies the unqualified. I'm done.